I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor, live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we are taking your phone calls, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Good afternoon, Governor. Hey, Maria. It's great to be back with you again. It's hard to believe it's been a month already. I know, and we always have so many questions lined up, so we really appreciate you spending this time each month to answer the questions of our listeners. And, Governor, the first thing off the top, of course, is about fire and the heat and water. But let's start with fireworks, because our first texter is saying, Governor, please, please ban fireworks. And that's not really something that you can do, right? Well, that, that's correct. So we, we had a legal opinion from the Attorney General's office and, and uh, my office as the attorneys worked together last night that was delivered that said, I don't have the authority to ban fireworks in the state, that, that uh, only the legislature can do that. And uh, they, they have said they are, they are not interested in that. Now, it, it is possible for local governments to place some bans there. Uh, the statute is a little bit of a mess. Um, I, I'm encouraging the, the legislature to address this in the coming session to try to clean that up a little bit. Um, it, it depends on, on on where the city is located and and how close it is to the the wildland urban interface and, and some different things. But but certainly cities can uh, put some restrictions in, in in their communities, if not the entire communities, uh, to, to ban fireworks. And, and look, I, I you know I, I don't want this to get into an argument over whether government should be involved or shouldn't be involved. Let me, let me just be very clear: like, people should not be lighting off fireworks this year. It's far too dry. Even the stuff that you think is green, uh, the stuff that looks green around you is drier than it's ever been for this time of year and uh, and and the ability for one spark to set things off just one stray spark can can cause a million dollar a day fire the other thing I, I want to remind people is that that if you do start a fire um, e- even if fireworks are legal in the area that you're lighting them off um, you will be uh, held responsible for that you, you will have to pay for the fighting of that fire and it can get very expensive very very quickly and so it, we are in not, not just extreme drought but we are in what's called exceptional drought, which is the highest drought level in, in much of the state. And so this is definitely not the year to take any chances at, at all with fireworks. And so really urging people to be careful, urging local communities to put restrictions in place, and then check with your local community to understand where those restrictions are. Right. I know this is a tough one for folks to understand why you just can't outright ban them. Um, we, our KSL listeners know that we have several fires af- every afternoon, or we have had this week, due to cars, just cars, you know, or sparks from machinery. So it really is a crucial situation. 
Yeah, we we had a we had a major fire yesterday, uh, right in the middle of the the heart of the Salt Lake Valley. Um, we we are seeing those fires every day. We have we have over three hundred fires that have already burned in the state. Um, and at this time last year, that 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 was less than one hundred. So that tells you what kind. Of, and and by the way, last year was a bad year. Um, last year we had over sixty fires that were started just by fireworks alone. And so it it, it I, I just you, you're right. A hot car just pulling over on the side of the road can start a uh, can can start a fire. Train chains that are dragging, target shooting, um, of course, uh, the, the, um, fires that people put while they're camping. Uh, you know they have to be in fire rings and and they're illegal in most places. Fireworks are now illegal um, a- until July second everywhere, and uh, they they will be uh, illegal outside of city limits everywhere. We we are able to do that, and I and I've already done that. But we just need everybody to be responsible and be careful and. Just save them for next year. You mentioned you can't ban fireworks, but what about water restrictions? Yeah, so we we have additional water restrictions in in every district in the state right now. Now, now water restrictions are also done at a local level because water resources are different at at in in every every district. And so, please pay special attention. There's also much more enforcement going around uh, along around those water restrictions. Um, in some areas, they're doing a three strikes policy. People that are watering um, on days that they're not supposed to be watering or at hours that they're not supposed to be watering uh, can have their uh, their secondary water completely shut off. Um, so, so again, that enforcement is increasing. What we're encouraging people to do is to only water twice a week. Yes, that means your lawn will turn yellow and, and maybe a little brown. No, it won't die. It will be okay. Uh, lawns are very resilient. They will come back. Um, and we need you to mow at the, your lawn at the highest uh, at the highest setting on your lawnmower. That's actually better for your grass, better for the root system, and uh, we'll, we'll need it to use less water. So, so those water restrictions are happening everywhere. Check with your local district to understand which days you're able to water and uh, how many times a week and which hours during the day you're eligible to water. Governor, I'm going to go to our phone lines just a bit early here. We have John in Ogden who is concerned about this issue. And John, good afternoon. What is your question? Yeah. Hey, thanks, Governor. Um, I'm just wondering if there's any plans of legislation or some kind of matching program for, for Utah residents to go you know, a, a dry scape, either a turf lawn um, or something to, to kind of combat our water use on our lawns. Um, right now, the stipulations are you have to have a perfect lawn to get anything. Uh, <laughs> can we, say, change that to, say, a matching program by the state um, for people that are willing to go with a turf lawn or some kind of dry, you know, low water scape? Because well, this drought's not going anywhere, man. Yeah, John. John, thank you for the question. And, and the answer is yes. Um, that there there is a proposal. We will be working with the legislature on that. We do have some communities um, that 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 have have looked at that and started to implement that. Um, I, I know down in southern Utah, they're they're looking at that as well. It's something I'm very interested in. It's something I'm going to be pushing for. Um, using some, we we do. I, and I have to congratulate the legislature and thank them. Um, they they set aside a, a significant portion of money uh, for some water 
water conservation issues. We're working with them now on, on how we can use that money. We will be using some of it for uh, to, to meter secondary water. Um, in far too many of our water districts, there is no metering of secondary water, so we have no idea how much we're, we're even using personally, and we, we desperately want to uh, to change that, but but also want to, two things. One, I want to be able to uh, to help incentivize people who decide on a turf replacement uh, to, to help them uh, to, to make that happen. Uh, you can have beautiful landscapes that don't necessarily need to be turf, and uh, we, w- we would love to see that change. And, and then to change some of the, the rules and regulations around um, new developments, because you're right, in some communities, it's actually required that we have uh, that we have turf in park strips and next to businesses and, and fast food establishments where we, we, we certainly don't need grass, and we end up watering the sidewalks more often than we water the grass there anyway. So uh, we've, we've got to change the way we do new development and then help incentivize uh, more conservation in existing development. Governor, a couple of quick questions for you on COVID before we go to the break. Uh, the first one, uh, only about 60% at last check, last I checked, only about 60% of Utahns have now been vaccinated. Is that disappointing to you? Well, we, we certainly would like to have more. Um, we, we look very carefully at the, the adult population numbers. Um, and right now, our, our adult population, so so 18 and over, we have a 64.3% that have been vaccinated. The national average, by the way, is 65%. So we are we are basically right at the national average. So it, it depends on, on whether your glass is half full or half empty, whether that's good news. I mean, the, the good news is we're, we're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're doing better than, than half the country, but we're we're doing worse than half the country too. So I I, I want to do better. I believe we can do better. We had a goal to get um, at, at least again one dose uh, of vaccination for seventy percent of our adult population by July fourth. Um, unless we see a huge increase over the next two weeks, we're probably not going to hit that. Uh, we will get to seventy percent though. I'd love to get even higher than that. Look, uh, if you think back, I, I'd love all of us to just imagine March and April of last year when we were just learning about this virus and when we would have done anything, anything, uh, you know, no amount of money was, was too small, uh, no amount of technology, anything, we would have done anything to prevent this, this uh, terrible disease from happening and the destruction that it had on families, um, you know, 2,500 people dead in, in the state of Utah, hundreds of thousands nationwide, um, businesses uh, devastated, uh, the economy struggled, and, and while we're doing so much better, it's because of this vaccine, it is a miracle, and uh, we need to treat it as such, and so if you just think of where we were, what we would have done, and now we have it. We have that answer. It's here. Um, it doesn't cost people anything. Uh, it, it, it's you know, it, it's free. Um, mild side effects. Uh, it, it prevents death and hospitalization. I have to tell you how sad it is now. Every day when I see people um, and talk to people's families who um, who have had people die over the past couple of weeks, or um, who are hospitalized right now, just struggling for breath, and and to know that that and to hear them say, "I wished I would have listened. I wished." I would have got my vaccine. Um, you know, my my dad, my 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 aunt. They they shouldn't be dead right now. Um, they shouldn't be in the hospital right now. We can do more. We we're also seeing more variants come into the state, and uh, the, these variants, especially the Delta variant, we know from what we've seen in other countries, um, are are much more contagious and uh, tend to last longer and have more severe symptoms. Those are all things we're worried about. But the great news is that the vaccine works just as well against them as as the uh, as the other variants, and so it absolutely work. Um, just really quickly right now, 95% of people that have been hospitalized since the vaccine was opened to everyone 
have been unvaccinated. 98% of, of those deaths. We've only had three deaths of people that were vaccinated um, uh, from from COVID. Uh, it's it's so, so very, very rare. Um, this is how we protect each other, and this is how we protect ourselves and our families. Right. And, Governor, the number of cases have been going up. We were well below 300, and I noticed yesterday that the numbers were well above 400 new cases. So, so yeah, what we've what we've seen is um, we use the rolling seven day average and uh, we um, we got down to the low 200s uh, per seven days. And now we're up to about 280 is the, the, the rolling seven day average right now. So we have seen an increase. Um, that's uh, that's it's, it's been pretty steady now for about a week. It's kind of stabilized there around 270 to 280 um, o- over that seven day rolling average. And uh, and so so, yeah, that's concerning. Um, it's it's we're, we're not headed in the in the right direction. Still still much, much lower than our, you know, than our big surges. And, uh, and, and, and again, people that are vaccinated have, have virtually nothing to worry about. And that's why we're encouraging more and more people to get vaccinated. And we are taking your questions on Let Me Speak to the Governor. The number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let Let Me Speak speak to the the Governor on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we are taking your calls 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Let's go right to our phone lines. James is waiting patiently. Uh, good, Good afternoon, James. What is your question? Well, hi, Maria, and good afternoon, Governor Cox. Anyhow, basically, I was reading in the news about the new Utah driver's licenses and ID cards being uh, rolled out uh, to kind of thwart counterfeiters from um, making it more harder to duplicate or or a copy, that is. And I, I just had a question. I know not everybody has a birth date the same year, and it'll take a gradual process. What's a rough estimate where everybody will kind of have the new format, and I assume both old and new styles will be in circulation kind of at once, won't they? James, it's great to hear from you again, and and you're you're exactly right. So for those of those that missed um, the the announcement yesterday, we do have new driver's licenses that are, are being rolled out right now. Now, now the good news for for the people of the state of Utah is that they are more secure, which is exactly what you mentioned. The other good news is, is it's not costing us any more. This is under our existing contract um, with the, the company that produces driver's licenses, and we will just be uh, we will be circulating them. So we will have two. You're you're exactly right. Over 
over time, as as people get their renewals or get a new driver's license, they will get the new one. And and so licenses are currently set to expire. You you asked the question how long? Um, I believe it's eight years that that it will take to circulate through all of those. So we will have those those two designs for uh, for some time. Uh, but we're um, we're we're very excited for the uh, the new licenses. And if you're if you're interested, and you can, uh, you, people do have the ability to request a duplicate license, and, and you can do that. It's a twenty three dollar fee if you uh, if you request a new one right now. But the good news is when you uh, when you when you have a birthday and, and your old one expires, uh, you'll get you'll get the new design uh, when it's your turn. Sounds good. Thanks, Governor. All right, Thank Governor. You. Next texter is asking. Uh, they want to know what you think about residential water use only being about ten percent of our usage in the state, and what about agricultural, government, commercial usage? Uh, this person says it seems like we could have a much bigger impact focusing there. Well, we, we are focusing there. We're focusing everywhere, and that's the thing about a drought is that every drop we're able to conserve is uh, is important for for all of us. And so the the answer is yes. Um, farmers are conserving. In fact, farmers are conserving a lot more than than we're asking you to conserve with your your lawns. Um, in many places, including my own farm, um, we've seen approximately a seventy percent reduction in our normal water usage. So we uh, that that's big. And and I would also point out that. F- I like food, and I think you like food too. And uh, your grass doesn't feed anybody on your lawn, but um, the, the the food that's being produced by farmers does. Uh, it also provides jobs. Um, and same with industry. Industry is cutting back as well, but we need industry to make stuff. So it's it's always a false comparison, and and uh, I, I it always kind of bothers me when people use that comparison because uh, the, the water that we're using for purely aesthetics versus water that we're using uh, to keep our economy going and water we're using to feed people um th- those are it's it's not a, a similar comparison but um if you want to make that comparison you're certainly welcome to and if you're willing to cut back 70 percent of your water usage like farmers are then we'd love to see it uh the next texter says uh, that they've lived in albuquerque and they say there was an additional property tax assessed to homeowners who had lawns and of course they did away with their lawn and just had zero scaping that's that's interesting. We we actually do the opposite here in Utah. We we actually um and this is part of I think one of the changes that we need to make is we we need to understand the true cost of water. And most people don't understand that and there's a reason they don't understand that. And that is because in many jurisdictions we subsidize water usage through our property taxes. So uh, she mentioned that there was kind of a penalty in the property tax. We actually have the opposite. Um everybody's property tax um pays not not everybody's but in most jurisdictions, property tax pays for water usage. And so people don't realize the true cost of water because it's just kind of buried in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just, again, metering so we know how much we're using, as well as understanding what the true cost of water is. People would use less if they knew they could save money. But if it's just part of your property tax, if I told you that your property tax would go down if you use, use less water, I think a lot of people would use less water. So those are some of the changes we would like to see happen. Not necessarily a penalty, but just understanding the true cost of water and uh, and then giving people an opportunity to save money by conserving. Let's take a call from Don in Syracuse. Good afternoon, Don. What is your question for the governor? Hi, thanks. Governor, I'm concerned about uh, public radio in Utah that's associated with the universities. I tend to be open-minded about lots of things, but public radio is all liberal, one-sided commentary. I'm wondering if something can be done since my tax dollars are helping to pay for that, but I don't agree with their point of view. 
Well, well, thank you, Don. Um, so I, I'm not as familiar with the, with all of the funding mechanisms around public ma- radio. I do know that each newsroom um, sets their own policies, and reporters choose what stories to cover. Uh, public radio stations are nonprofit organizations, and uh, I, I believe a, a small portion of their overall budgets uh, do come from taxpayer dollars. Uh, but each station has its own board of directors. So if, if you're concerned about uh, content or program, Choices. I would certainly encourage you to uh, to contact those individual reporters or, or station managers. I'm a you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the First Amendment, and I, I appreciate the diversity of choices that that listeners and and readers have. Um, I, I would encourage you. You know, if you disagree, certainly don't listen to them. Um, you don't you don't have to donate to them either. And uh, and so that's 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 one way I think to uh, to you know to to let the your um, your your own Listening habits um, kind of kind of do do the talking, right? Um, I, I, I'm I'm concerned with bias in media everywhere. There is bias in media everywhere, um, and uh, it's it's just impossible to avoid. We're human beings. We we all have biases. There, there are some great. Um, some great websites out there that track this kind of thing that can uh, that can help all of us understand um, which news media are biased in which directions. There are there are news media that are, that are biased on the right, news media that's biased on the left. Um, I certainly tried to get a, a, a healthy dose of different viewpoints. Um, I, I I think it's a mistake for us to just surround ourselves with news media that that only sees the world the same way we do. Um, I like to listen to alternative points of view to kind of understand and and maybe learn something. Something, but also understand. So if, if I if I need to, to be able to argue, I know where they're coming from, and uh, and so I think it's healthy. I would I would always encourage people to stay away from the the more extreme, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on there. Um, but uh, but but there I I don't know of of any restrictions around their ability. Again, I, I think the the First Amendment is very clear on our our that, that we don't want to restrict restrict their ability to. Uh, to cover news as, as, as they see fit, um, but, but certainly understand your concern. Thank you, Don. And let's take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text your questions to the governor or your statements at 57500. Questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join. Let, Let me, me speak, speak to, to the governor, governor on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we are taking your calls and questions right now. You can also text us your questions or statements at five seven five zero zero. Governor, uh, this week. Uh, both the House and Senate have approved a new holiday, a new federal holiday, Juneteenth. Um, I'm wondering what you think about the state celebration and what that might look like. Well, sure. Yeah, this is a, a big deal for for our country, and, and certainly a, a welcome change to uh, to, to recognize the, the, this holiday for members of uh, of the Black community in our our country. We we've uh, we've done something similar here in the state of Utah, recognizing uh, Juneteenth, and um, it, it it is not a a holiday yet. In in that um, you know, state workers get the day off, um, but I, I understand that will be happening at the at the federal level, and so I, I would support. 
support that change um, here in our state as well um, in this upcoming legislative session. But we do have several celebrations going on um, all across the country. It's, it's actually on Saturday is is the, the day, although I think it will be recognized uh, tomorrow at the federal level uh, as, a, as a, an official holiday day off. But on Saturday, I know there are Juneteenth celebrations that are happening um, throughout the state, and I, I would encourage you to, uh, to, to look at the, some of the local What's Happening calendars and, and get involved in some of the, the, the fun things that are happening to celebrate. Governor, our next caller is Keith in Far West. Uh, good afternoon, Keith. What is your question? Good afternoon. How are you, Governor? First off, I want to thank you. I think you're doing a great job. You know, you come in with the COVID. Now we got a drought. we got fires. Good heavens, baptism by fire. But my question is to you. I mean, COVID's still going strong. How how are we going to educate how are we going to educate our older people about getting the shot? I just had an aunt pass away that didn't think the shot was worth it. How are we? What is your plan to get them people educated that the shot is worth it and it does help? Yeah, thank you, Keith, and, and, and thank you for your, your kind words. Um, I, I'm very sorry to hear about your aunt, and uh, I, I have to admit, I, I, I can't wait to be governor um, at a time when we're not in some sort of a crisis. I'm really excited to get, get the pandemic over and get the drought over with and, and, and all the other things, but but look, you bring up a very important question. Now, I, I want to I share some good news with people. Um, most older people, a significant uh, amount of older people have been vaccinated. So we are Utah is is doing very very well in this category. Almost ninety percent, I think it's eighty nine point seven something like that. So I'm just going to call it ninety percent of those over the age of sixty five have received at least one dose of the vaccine, and eighty percent have received uh, are, are fully vaccinated. So have received two doses or or one dose of, of Johnson and Johnson. So we're I you know I would love to see that be a hundred percent, but but we're doing very well. Now we have we. We have been. We, we have a, a, a big campaign, social media campaign, paid TV ads um, on TV and radio, and in Spanish on TV and radio. We we talk to reporters every day about this. Um, one of the things, though, that we think will help for that last group, right? That that last ten percent that that is maybe a little hesitant, that hasn't been able to do it, uh, get it right now is we are giving more and more doses out to uh, primary care physicians. So, so just, you know, doctors, the, the people that, that we trust, um, especially older people who tend to go to the doctor a little more often, um, they'll be able to have these communications one-on-one with their doctor so that they can, they can talk about how the vaccines work, what the side effects possibly could be, and why they're so safe. And then the doctor can actually give the vaccine right there in their office. So they don't have to, you know, they have to get in a car and travel down to, to a pharmacy or someplace else, they can do it right there at at their uh, at their doctor's visit. So we're we're excited about that. What I, I would also do is encourage family members. We have lots of education materials available at coronavirus.utah.gov. You can go there, um, look at these education resources. We have flyers, videos, uh, testimonials, myth busting uh, materials, and and so much more. And and hopefully you can help to convince your family members to get the vaccine. Um, thank you so much for that important question, Keith. On the topic of vaccines, Governor, uh, one of our texters has a suggestion. They say one of their favorite restaurants is a small business, and they're hosting a vaccine site for a day. They're wondering why we can't get more businesses to host vaccine events. 
Yeah, well, that you, that texter, whomever they are, is is prescient. They're 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 brilliant. Um, they they should be running our state. Uh, we we're doing that. Um, actually, we sent out ten thousand letters uh, to businesses just this past week, encourage them, encouraging them to do exactly that. So we what we're asking businesses to do is help us with kind of one one big push as as we get closer to July fourth to uh, to get more people vaccinated. We we've asked them to uh, to consider incentives that they can offer to their customers and their employees um, who uh, that, that would be we, ha- we have some businesses that have been doing a uh, hundred dollar gift cards to their employees to get vaccinated up uh, some are doing two hundred dollars in cash uh, for their employees to get vaccinated offering them time off to get vaccinated and then as as the texter mentioned to have a um, to, to host uh, a mobile vaccine clinic we have we have lots of mobile vaccine clinics we're scheduling them all the time to go to businesses uh, to invite again their customers uh, the, the neighborhood um, or their uh, or their employees and their employees families and extended families to come and get vaccinated so hey, look we will do anything we possibly can if if you can get us people we'll get the vaccines there okay next caller is Brock in Sandy good afternoon Brock hi governor uh, thanks for for taking the call it's really great that you do this program it's wonderful to be able to talk to you and to hear you know all the great things you're doing I'm calling about the federal COVID unemployment and wondering if you would consider extending it for this reason. I know that there's a worker shortage, and of course, in Utah, we believe in hard work. Um, the issue is not that people don't want to work. The issue is that people are not making a living wage. Companies have not kept up pace with the increase in housing and rent. Those have gone up exponentially over the last 10 years, and people are just not making enough money to live. Now, large corporations like McDonald's and um, Amazon have increased their wages, which is great. They can certainly afford to do that. So I'm wondering if you would consider extending the federal unemployment here in Utah, keeping it through the end of September to stimulate these large corporations that are making big margins, you know, to increase wages so that Utahns can make a living wage and pay more taxes, which is good for the state. Um, Would you consider that? Well, Brock, thank you, thank you so much for the question, and I appreciate that. And you're right. Unfortunately, the the, the cost of living has gone up in Utah, and uh, the the cost of housing has uh, has gone up as well. Now, that that is true of, of much of the West. And what what we are seeing is we are seeing uh, that, uh, that that employers are increasing their salaries as they're competing for these employees. Those, those salaries continue to go up. We have over seventy thousand jobs available in the state right now, and and um, we have tens of thousands of jobs that pay more than $30 an hour. And so there are absolutely jobs for every person on unemployment right now there, that, that, it, that would be losing that unemployment extension. Um, there is a job that pays more than $30 an hour. Now, whether that employee is qualified for that job or not is, is another thing. And it's never been easier right now um, for an employee to, um, to, to get help um, for, uh, for, for what it is that they, that, that they need to get additional training um, we we also have um, we do have federal money available for uh, for people who are are struggling with uh, with paying their rent um, there is there is rental assistance available um, it, it, you can go to the Department of Workforce Services website um, it, it, first of all on the jobs side uh, jobs.utah.gov slash career that's jobs.utah.gov slash career all of the resources available right 
right now are, are there for people uh, to, uh, to to get a job um, and to get a better job than the job that they have right now. Um, we also have rental assistance available. You can go to rentrelief.utah.gov to help with some of those increased expenses for those that are struggling. Um, we actually have um, a lot of, of money available for rental assistance, um, more than we have demand for right now. So so that is a great opportunity, rentrelief.utah.gov. But but I, I just have to I, I just have to be be honest with you. I'm, I, I, I believe it's detrimental to people, and, and I'm absolutely opposed to paying people not to work. Um, it, it is one thing when you lose your job, and, and during a pandemic that happened, we needed those benefits. We still have unemployment benefits available for people who lose their jobs. But to continue to pay people not to work when we have good, high-paying jobs available, um, I, I believe is, is bad for society, I believe it's bad for business, and I believe it's bad for individuals. All of the data shows that the longer a person is, is not working and is on uh, unemployment, the less likely it is that they are able to get back into the workforce, and the more likely it is that they will get stuck in this, uh, this rut of intergenerational poverty, which, we, which is, is, is also very, very detrimental to to people and to families over multiple generations and so this uh, we have these jobs available right now if, if if those jobs if the jobs you're qualified for don't pay a living wage then we have resources available to you for you to get additional training so you can get a better job and then we have this rental assistance available so there, there are so many opportunities for people to get back into the workforce and get a job that does pay a living wage All right, let's take our last break of the show. The number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions and suggestions at 57500. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let Let Me Speak speak to the the governor. Governor on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Our next texter, Governor, says, Why can't we utilize city parks to light fireworks in? Uh, They're big, wide-open areas with green grass, and it's far better than launching stuff over your neighbor's house. Yeah, that that's a great a great suggestion, and it's one I've been making to uh, to cities. We've had a couple cities that have decided to do that, um, that are limiting fireworks and encouraging people to go to their their city park, where the fire department will be there um, all together, so they can light them off and and be well supervised. That's the kind of thing that absolutely works and makes sense when we're in in exceptional drought. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be encouraging the legislature to uh, to change the law so that we just let the drought conditions determine when it's appropriate to have fireworks and mm-hmm. when not. Uh, and, and when we're in exceptional drought, we shouldn't, but then we could have special places in every city that cities designate where people could do fireworks at the appropriate times and with the, uh, again, with the fire department right there in case something gets out of control. Right. Uh, next person wants to know what the state can do to clean up the shoulders of the roads. They don't want us to look like California. <laughs> well, um, we we don't want to look like California, um, except the beaches. I do like the beaches there, but uh, the rest of it, yeah, they can have it. Um, so we we have several programs. In fact, we've been recognized as one of the cleanest states in the uh, in the nation uh, along our roadways. Um, our Adopt a Highway program has been incredibly successful. Um, we have volunteer groups that are that are out there working to clean up the roads. Uh, we we also use some of our incarcerated um, uh, in individuals in the state for uh, for road cleaning 
cleanup uh, at the county level and, and sometimes at the state level as well. And so if you or your group um, are interested in, in, uh, in helping to clean up, um, put a group together and, and get a project, and, and uh, we're more than willing to help you get out there and, and get those roads cleaned up. All right, next caller is Troy and Twilla. Good afternoon, Troy. How are you? We're doing well. What is your question? Uh, how are you doing, Governor? I just wanted to know um, if you're if you just planning on doing anything to fight the uh, incoming inflation that's going to be here due to Biden uh, spending money and not taking any money out of the system. Troy, th- thank you for that question. It's something I've been very concerned about, and uh, and we've certainly expressed those concerns to the White House as well. Um, you're you're right. Um, it's not it's not just that it's coming; it's that it's already here. Um, we saw a significant uh, inflationary increase, uh, about five percent um, over the, uh, the the last month, which is more than we've seen in a long, long time. And uh, there. there- really two things driving uh, that, that inflation. Um, one is, you already mentioned it, one is that uh, the federal government is spending uh, copious amounts of money, uh, printing money um, that, they, uh, that they don't have, and uh, sending that out to the states and, and local governments, um, to individuals, uh, as well as, as school districts. So w- one of the things that we're doing is making sure that we use our portion of that money responsible. If we're going to be borrowing money from our kids and grandkids, we better be investing it in things that will pay dividends for our kids and grandkids, and so we're we're talking about infrastructure, uh, making sure that we're we're putting that money into places that make sense and uh, will help our economy down the road. Um, the other piece of this, though, is, is different. When any time, and, and I had a great meeting with the, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank in uh, in San Francisco, which is our region, a couple weeks ago. We talked specifically. I asked her specifically about inflation and what they were seeing. Um, one thing that is is true, and economists will tell you that any time you come out of a pandemic, you're going to see um, some inflation because uh, people, people's ability to spend will um, and their 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 desire to consume will outpace our ability to produce. It takes a while for supply chains to normalize and for production to ramp up. So so the the pandemic ends fairly suddenly, although we're, obviously we're still working through it. But things got back to normal after vaccines pretty quickly within a, a couple months. You know we're we're mostly back to normal. And uh, and yet, for companies, their ability to uh, to ramp up production is a little slower. We're we're calling it revenge consumption or revenge tourism, revenge travel, because for a whole year we weren't consuming, and now we really want to. And and so that piece will be normal. We also have to remember that other countries aren't doing as well as we are with the vaccine, so they're still in kind of shutdown mode. And and many of the components that we need for our you know for our consumer goods um, are coming from other countries, and they haven't ramped up yet. So long story short. Um, the advice we were given was we'll know in about September how much of this is short-term inflation because of the pandemic, how much of it is long-term inflation because of, of inflationary spending happening at the federal government level. Unfortunately, there's just not much we can do as a state except be very wise about how we spend our dollars. Governor, we just have one minute left in the program, but our next texter is asking, are you concerned about all the crowded gatherings such as Stadium of Fire, including a gigantic guest choir that's singing together in such close proximity? 
I, I'm not concerned at all if they're vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, I would be very concerned for you. So um, that's 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 the only thing that's concerning. Um, I can tell you that uh, I've been going to events. I, I saw an incredible uh, version of, of Les Miserables at uh, at Hale Center Theater, one of the best I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Uh, just just impressive. I had a chance to uh, to go to a jazz game recently. Um, last night was was my jazz game excursion. Um, I'm 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 a little angry and sad today because they lost. But not because, not, uh, not because not because I was in a big group, though, because I'm fully vaccinated and I'm protected. But for those that aren't, get your vaccine so you don't have to worry. Governor, thank you so much for joining us again today. And we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks, Maria. And you've been listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor. Stay with us. Boyd Matheson, Inside Sources, coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.